My thanks to Tony and Chica for reading the scriptures for us. I'm always aware that in a congregation of this nature and size, we're gathering in very different circumstances. Some of us arrive here this morning very, very positive and buoyed up and it's been a great week and we're looking forward to things. And some of us are actually full of dread. Some of us are in full-scale planning mode for what's lying ahead and some are completely at a loss and haven't a clue where they're heading or what they're doing. And so with the famous verse from Jeremiah 29:11, and that very famous passage from John's Gospel ringing in our ears, I want to preach on this simple eight words. I know the plans I have for you. I want you to note these things about those eight words. The first is that when the prophet says, I know, in the prophetic sense, he is saying, God knows. God knows the plans God has for us. In the 12 years that I was stationed at Cliff College, I spent lots of time with students, particularly students who were trying to discern the will of God for their lives. Some students would sit in my study, often anxious and serious, and say something like this. I, I wish I knew that what God was calling me into. I'd love God to tell me if I'm going to get married, especially while it's here, and some of them did. How many children will I have? Will I be happy? Will I be called abroad? Will I have enough money to live? Will I become a famous preacher? I wonder when I'll die. And then they'd pause and say, and just note the irony here. You see, I just want to live by faith. (laughs) And I reminded them, as I remind all of us this morning, that as disciples of Jesus, they're called to walk by faith, not by sight. I told them to entrust themselves to God and live faithfully while not knowing how it's all going to pan out. And that that sometimes marked a deeper, more profound trust in God than feeling that you knew every turn in the path from now until whenever. I'd make it clear to those students that for those who wanted to be disciples of Christ, in the end... It's more important that God knows the plans than that they do or we do. And that the worst of all worlds is that they or we had plans that God knows nothing about. I know the plans, says the Lord. And we might not yet fully or sometimes ever But this morning, I want you to know and believe that the fact that God knows is more important than that we know. Second, I know the plans, plural. There is not one static, defined, unalterable plan in a strict sense. 
God doesn't have a plan in the sense that if I miss that moment, if I go left instead of right, if I choose wrongly in October 1973, then I've blown it forever. No return, no reprieve, no second chances. And I make that point because I know some people who sadly live as if that's exactly what the plan of their life was like. And they messed it up in whichever way they thought they messed it up. And now, in a sense, when you meet them, they're simply treading water, endlessly regretting whatever they think was planned out for them, and very often becoming ever more bitterly resentful. It's important to note that there's plans, not plan, plural, for churches too, even Methodist and Wesleyan churches, who very often live and act as if all God had planned for them was somehow all swallowed up and used sometime in the past. And like people, we're just treading water. There are plans. This is very Wesleyan teaching. I'm sure I've told you the first time I ever came across a GPS sat-nav. If I have, I'll tell you again. It's a good story. It was many years ago now. And it was in a luxury car. I think it was Neil's new Lexus. Way, way back in the 1980s. And I was mesmerized by this moving map in the walnut dashboard and the silky voice of a famous actress giving the instructions. And my friend proudly showed it off and we approached a ju junction and the silky voice said, in 200 yards, turn left. And I then demonstrated that sin is not quite dead in your superintendent minister because I turned to Neil and I said, what happens if you don't do what she says? And a glint came into his own eye and he said, watch this. And we approached the next junction and the GPS silky actress voice said, turn right and we went straight on. And the voice was quiet for a few moments and then revealed that this GPS system in this Lexus was actually both Christian and Wesleyan. <laughs> because it spoke these gospel words. I have worked out a new route for you. There's only one right direction to be where God wants us, to be in God's will and way. But this means that when we go wrong or go cold or become disobedient or lose the plot, and some of us do and some of us will, God, the redeeming, forgiving, wonderful one, works out a new route for us and then wills us to follow again. Now, this is not an excuse 
to be permanently lax or unresolved in your discipleship. It's not an encouragement to become like those who walk in sinful ways with eyes wide open and then shrug their shoulders and say, well, it's God's business to forgive me. It is a word of hope and grace to those of us who struggle but resolve to try and continue to walk in God's ways. Some of us have blown it many times. But God has plans for us. And, and this is a hard thing for many of us. Even when we believed sometime in the past that that plan at that time was perfect and we understood it at that time as being fully in the will of God and then that job crumbled or that relationship dissolved, whatever, then we need to hear very gently because all those broken plans lead broken people. That although that was the end of that plan, it's not the end of all plans, all possible plans that God has for us. We do not extinguish or exhaust God's ability to plan with us and for us until our dying day. Thirdly, there are plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. I'm sure some of you will find it very hard to believe, but among some, well, no, a few. Few students at Cliff College actually thought I was quite wise. I know you can't believe that. After I'd encouraged them to live by faith and not by sight and trusting God for the way ahead, they'd sigh and they'd say, yes, Martin, I just don't know what God wants from me. And I'd reply, oh, I do. And they'd lean forward on the chair with great interest and they'd say, come on, tell me. So I did. God wants you, I said, God wants you to become more like Christ. God wants you to permit your life and every aspect of it to become more filled with the Holy Spirit so that there's no room in you for anything else. God wants you not to conform to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. God wants you to pray and seek God's face. God wants you to live in peace as much as it lies with you with all. God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. God wants you to have a sober judgment about yourself. God wants you to realize that if you hold on to your life, you lose it. And if you lose your life for his sake and the sake of the gospel, you can never lose it. God wants you to become what God has planned for you to become. And I know this is God's plan for you because it's God's plan for all of us. Some students understood and some didn't. The ones that didn't looked very disappointed and sort of said, yeah, 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 I, I know all that. I thought you were going to tell me plans for me. And I'd say, in the wonder of God's grace, there is a unique you 
And it may be that God has plans for you and you alone, plans that have your fingerprint attached to them. That alongside all this marvelous plans for us all, there are some specific plans peculiarly for you. And not wishing to lose my reputation as a wise one, I'd say to them, I don't know exactly what special plans God has for you, but I do know the best way to find out what they are. And they'd lean forward in the chair again, all ears, and they'd say, come on, tell me, tell me. And I'd say, be faithful to all that God wants and plans for us all, and then you'll discover God's plans for you and you alone. Seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added to you. Do all the other stuff seriously and thoroughly and that special stuff will be given. Ignore all the other stuff and you lessen your chances of ever coming to know and appreciate those special plans God may have for you. I became aware this past week of one of the plans God has for us all. Those in the office know that I took off on Thursday to drive to the southwest, which was an interesting thing to do on Thursday and Friday. But I went to visit a longtime friend, a minister in Christ Church, who was fit and healthy just before Christmas and is now in hospice care in his home, terminally and untreatably ill. And Helen and I went to see him to say goodbye. As you can imagine, some of you have been through that, it was a traumatic time. Except that among all the symptoms of irreversible illness, there we found in him a live faith. He said croakily because his voice is affected, which is a poignant thing for a preacher. I'm going to be with the Lord, he said. I'll see his face. He grinned and said, I'll see his face before you do. And I'm going to go live with him forever. You see, any plans that he may have had from this time forward must now fall. The time for them is gone. And we'll all reach that time one day. There's a deep sadness in leaving those that you love, wrestling with the timing and the raw fact of our mortality. But there is the promise, and we see it so powerfully in that passage from John. There is that promise of living with God in God's place forever. God knows the plans of our lives, and God knows the plans after our physical death. I said at the beginning that we are a congregation in all sorts of different circumstances. 
So listen to this as I close. If you are away and outside God's plans for you and you know it, come back. If you've got plans that God knows nothing about, ditch them. If you're dubious about God's plans for you, remember God knows best. If you're wanting to know God's special plans for you, get all the wonderfully ordinary stuff of discipleship sorted because it's the best way to know the special stuff. And know too, just as God has a plan for our lives, God has a plan for our eternal life. So let's live and in time die knowing and believing that God knows and that that's all right with us. So let's keep silence a moment and then Gerard is going to start to play our last hymn and during the singing of that hymn, Peter and Kina will simply take a place near the frontier. And if anybody needs just a sentence prayer of receive the strength of God or receive the spirit of God or walk again in God's plan, just a sentence. During the singing of this hymn, just simply leave your seat, come before them, receive that sentence of prayer and return quickly to your seat. And we'll sing, guide me, O thou great Jehovah.